0: It's good to be with you again tonight. I'm I'm glad that we can uh, be together once again. Tonight we're going to talk for a little while about family. You know, the Bible tells us that our families are really a gift from the Lord. The psalmist says in Psalm 127, verse number 3, "...behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward." Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. And happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. In Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, husbands are instructed to rejoice with their wives. And happy is the one, happy is the man who finds a wife because he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 22. Our families are blessings from the Lord, but we should also recognize that the state of our families and our relationship or status in them can affect our relationship with God. For example, consider what we learn in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 24 to 30, or in Romans chapter 1, where we read about what God has to say for those who step outside of God's design for the family. Or Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where we read what the scripture has to say about unauthorized marriage unions. Or 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, where the Bible tells us that if a man does not dwell with his wife according to knowledge, it can hinder his prayer life. Families are a gift from God, but we should also recognize that the state of our families and our position, our status in them, can affect our relationship with God. And so, therefore, it is important for us to uh, consult the instruction manual, if you will, God is the one who designed the family. God is the one who has set out the parameters of the family. And God is the one who has, who has, desi- who has, uh, who has set out instruction for how we are to conduct ourselves within our families. And so therefore we ought to, we ought to consult the one who has designed family in the first place. God says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15 that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. He says in Proverbs 29 and verse number 15 that a child left to himself brings shame. Tonight what I'd like for us to talk about is not just family in general, but I'd like for us to talk about parenting specifically and particularly from the book of Proverbs if we're trying to consult God's Word, we want to look for uh, the uh, look at the instruction manual as it pertains to family and as it pertains to parenting. You'll be hard-pressed to find a better place to go than the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about raising children. Proverbs has a lot to say about being parents and being grandparents for that matter. And what the book of Proverbs will tell us first and foremost is that the parent's chief resource for parenting their child is the law of God and persistent and consistent instruction in the way of God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 1, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments, for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 23 Solomon says, then will you, uh, if you uh, keep wisdom and keep discretion, then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 12 speaks of his steps not being hindered when he walked and him not stumbling when he runs. And all of that is dependent upon listening to the instruction and guidance in the way of God. So with that in mind, what I'd like for us to do with what time we have available to us tonight is I would like for us to just notice some points that the book of Proverbs makes as it pertains to being a parent. Some things that the book of Proverbs will tell parents that they need to be sure to teach and to remind their children of. And I'd like for us to just read several passages from the book of Proverbs together and see if we can just reflect on some of the instruction that is found therein. First and foremost, parenting from Proverbs begins by, number one, training our children to listen to instruction. Training our children to listen to instruction. One thing we should keep in mind when studying Proverbs is that, for the most part, it is written from the perspective of a father to a son. It is as if a father is sitting his son down and saying, I want you to listen, and I want you to listen well because I'm going to tell you some things that if you will heed them and apply them, they'll make your life a lot better. And so it shouldn't surprise us then that over and over again, We find throughout the book of Proverbs these passages that encourage us to listen and not just listen in the sense of audibly hearing the things that are said, but listening in the sense of hearing them and then thinking about them and then putting them to action. It's very similar to what we would find uh, by way of example in Psalm 1. The psalmist talks about meditating in God's Word both day and night, and he says that the blessed man is the man who meditates in the Word of God day and night. Meditation has two parts. There is, number one, there is this taking the information and churning it in our minds over and over again, like the cow chews cud, chewing on it and thinking about it and wrestling with it. That's one part. But the second part is working to find ways to apply it. So if we're thinking about a passage from God's word that has to do with anger, for example, or with kind speech, we're thinking about that passage and we're mulling it over uh, over and over again in our mind. But then as we go throughout our day, we're looking for actively looking for opportunities to be able to apply the passage that we're thinking about to our life two parts of meditation so when we see for example in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 8 listen to this my son hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother or Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 1 my son if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 20 my son keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Over and over again, when he says, listen, when he says, treasure, when he says, keep, when he says, hear, go in your mind to Psalm 1 and think about meditation. He's not saying, I want you to just audibly hear what I'm saying and let it go in one ear and out the other, as we often say. He's saying, I want you to listen, and I want you to listen carefully, and I want you to think about it, and I want you to listen with a view toward application, Just one side note before we move on. The book of Proverbs tells us that we ought to train our children to listen and listen well to instruction. But that implies, of course, that parents have to first be willing to give instruction and be willing to give the right kind of instruction. That means that we're going to have to invest ourselves in the wisdom that is from above and in the the Word of God. We're not going to be able to teach that to our children if we're not ready, first and foremost, to learn it, receive it, and apply it ourselves. We need to teach our children to listen to instruction. Here's a second. The book of Proverbs tells us that we ought to teach our children to honor the marriage covenant. We ought to teach our children to honor the marriage covenant. This, in my view, is one of the biggest problems in our society, and sometimes perhaps even within the church. Sometimes folks view marriage as something that's a convenience, or sometimes folks view marriage as even a burden. It's a drudgery. It's just something that we, we have to do. But the way the Bible describes marriage, the Bible describes marriage as something that is to be full of joy. The Bible describes marriage as a good, even a great thing. And the Bible describes marriage as a covenant that a man and a woman make with one another and that they make with God. And they're expected to view that covenant with joy and with appreciation and with gratitude. But they're also expected to view that covenant with faithfulness. And the book of Proverbs will emphasize the importance of faithfulness over and over again. For example, there's Proverbs chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. In Proverbs 2, 17, the uh, father is warning his son against the immoral woman in verse 16. And this is what she does. She forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God For her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Look at Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse number 15. Drink water from your own sister, and the Proverbs writer says, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets... Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 27, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32, whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding and he who does so destroys his own soul. What is the Proverbs writer seeking to emphasize time and again, over and again, he is seeking to emphasize the importance of faithfulness in marriage. And parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, if we're going to truly parent from the book of Proverbs, then what that means is that we're going to have to emphasize the faithfulness of marriage to our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews and others as well. And let me suggest this, that the best way to do it is to teach by action, to put on display every single day, even the bad days, what it is that God teaches about marriage. So that our children and grandchildren, so that they can, they can grow up and they can live in a home in which they know that mom and dad love and care for each other. And mom and dad are striving to be husband and wife in the way that God wants them to be. And they may even say, when I grow up, I want to have a relationship like my parents have. We ought to set the bar and we ought to set it high. And we ought to set it based upon what God's word teaches us as it concerns marriage and the marriage covenant. Number three, parenting from Proverbs means that we teach our children to be mindful of the harvest. Teach our children to be mindful of the harvest. What do I mean by that? Look at Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21 through 23. Listen to these passages. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, Solomon says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he'll go astray. Listen to Proverbs chapter 7 and verse number 23. Till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost him his life. Listen to Proverbs chapter 11 beginning in verse number 19 and then we'll see how we can tie these together. Proverbs chapter 11 verse number 19 says, As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. Each one of these passages in a different way emphasizes the universal law of sowing and reaping. And on and on throughout the book of Proverbs, we will be reminded of the fact that choices have consequences. If we choose to follow wickedness and unrighteousness, then we will reap the fruit of wickedness and unrighteousness. But if we choose to follow the paths of righteousness, if we choose to seek and serve and obey God, then we will reap the fruit thereof just as well and even in more abundance. That is, again, to my mind, a lesson that is sorely needed in our current day and time. And that is the law of sowing and reaping, that choices have consequences. That if I do something wrong and if I make a mistake, then I have to own up to that mistake. I have to deal with it. I have to make it right. And I have to deal with the consequences. But the same applies to doing right. If I make the right choice, if I do the right thing, then I get to enjoy the fruit of making that good decision. If we fail as parents to impress the reality upon our children that choices have consequences whether they be good or whether they be bad. If we fail to consistently require that consequences be given out based upon the choices that are made, then we are failing our children and doing them a great disservice. Because the moment that they leave our house and walk into this world, they're going to be punched in the gut and slapped in the face with the fact that life is difficult and you if you make a bad decision, you're the one that has to answer for that. The Bible tells us, the book of Proverbs tells us that we've got to teach our children to be mindful of the harvest, be it good or be it bad. Number next, number four. Parenting from Proverbs means that we ought to teach our children to choose proper priorities. Proverbs chapter 8, beginning in verse number 5, listen to what Solomon says. He says, Oh, you simple ones, this is wisdom crying out rather. Wisdom says, Oh, you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, because I will speak excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, because wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. We talk all the time about how there are things that this world uh, exalts, carnal things that this world looks at and places a high measure of value upon, and yet those things, in contrast to reality, and that is the reality that God's word enjoins upon us, are really worth nothing in the grand scheme of things. You know the passages in First Timothy chapter 6 about how the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and how many people have pierced themselves through with many sorrows trying to follow after these things? That's the principle that the Proverbs writer is impressing upon us in Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom says, desire me more than silver, desire knowledge more than gold, because what I have to give, what wisdom has has to give, is better than anything that a man might be able to imagine in existence in this world. Are we impressing that upon our children, upon our grandchildren, upon the next generation in general? We ought to remind them that there are some things in this world that are far, far more important than the things that this world tries to value. Look at the same proverb, chapter 8, verse 18. Wisdom continues and says, Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill all their treasuries. We have got to teach our children to properly prioritize, to always put the things of God first, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice, the inconvenience, maybe even pain that comes with it, God and His desires come first always. We've got to teach our children that principle. Number five, we should teach our children to be open to correction. We should teach our children to be open to correction. Look at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Proverbs chapter 9, we'll read verse 10 to 12. The scripture says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. What is the Proverbs writer, what is he saying? He's saying that if we will allow wisdom to instruct us and to correct us, whenever we step out of line, that that will be far, far better for us in the long run. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 17. Proverbs ten seventeen says, He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 1, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Amazing, isn't it, how clear and how really common sense uh, we, uh, the, the Bible uh, uses to communicate. When we talk about correction, of course, we have to remember that the point of discipline is correction. The point of discipline is pointing a person in the proper direction. It's all about guidance. It's all about trying to properly equip someone to be the person that God would have them to be. We talked this morning about people who too often think emotionally as opposed to thinking rationally. We talked this morning about this problem that we have in our world in which when someone challenges me because of something that I've said or done or believe, instead of thinking about that and processing it, I just get mad and throw a fit. We see far too much of that in our world. But what the Proverbs writer is trying to tell us, what God is trying to tell us, is that we ought to train our children not to get mad and to be offended and to throw a fit and act ridiculous whenever someone seeks to correct them, but rather to take a step back and look at the thing rationally and objectively. Weigh the criticism in an even balance. Take the good and process it and see what corrections can be made in their lives, we will do a great service to our children if we can teach them simply to be open to correction, to be open to guidance. Here's our last, here's our last principle, principle number six. Parenting from, from Proverbs means that we ought to teach our children to be hard workers. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 4, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 11, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 4, the Proverbs writer says again, the lazy man will not plow because of winter, and so therefore he will beg during the harvest and he will have nothing. The book of Proverbs so many times, even more than we've referenced Emphasizes this point that laziness is sinful, and that as far as a Christian is concerned, as far as a child of God is concerned, we ought to be characterized by someone who, as someone rather, who has a great work ethic. I think about the passages in the New Testament that go along with it, the uh, the uh, master and servant passages, Ephesians chapter six, Colossians chapter three and four, and others. The modern-day application of that has to do with the employer-employee relationship. And what God tells us in those passages is that as Christians, we ought to be the best employees that anyone could ever find. That we ought to give everything we have and, and pour ourselves into the effort that we give for our employer. And that we ought to do it with the right attitude. We ought to do it for the right reason. And we ought to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Again, what a great problem we have in our world. So many people who do not have this kind of a work ethic, but we ought to, if we're going to train our children the way that God would have us to, we ought to teach them and train them to be hard, hard workers. Proverbs will go on and tell us that we ought to teach our children to be self-disciplined. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32. It will tell us that we ought to show our children that righteous living brings about self-esteem and self-worth. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse number 8. It will tell us that we ought to warn our children about the evils and the dangers of alcohol. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 29 and following. And that we ought to teach our children that greatness comes only through humility. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 6 and 7. There is so much to be found in God's Word and particularly in the book of Proverbs as it pertains to how we live, but specifically as it pertains to how we parent, how we grandparent, how we prepare in whatever, in, in whatever capacity the next generation May God help us to look and to think carefully about these principles and do everything we can to instill them not only in ourselves, certainly that's required, but especially in the generation that is to come. We're going to offer the Lord's invitation now, and it may be that there's someone here this evening that has a desire, has a need to respond, perhaps to become a Christian, a child of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8 and verse 24? Are you prepared to repent of your sins, Luke 13 and verse 3? Confess your faith, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10? If that's the case, the Bible says that God will add you to the church this evening. Maybe you're a Christian and there are some things in your life that are challenging you. Perhaps some things that we can talk with you about. Maybe we can pray for you and offer some encouragement. It would be our privilege to do so. If you have me, then we invite you to come while together we stand and sing the invitation song.